beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to another brand spanking new episode of After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And tonight we are here. We have a jam-packed episode that I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm really excited about this episode. I don't know. I don't know why necessarily, but I feel like we just have good. We have really good things to talk about tonight. Like a good movie, like good topics. We have a good top five list. Like I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm psyched. I'm jazzed. And I hope that I hope that our listeners and and viewers uh, will feel the same way. And I hope Phil. I hope you feel the same way. What? Oh, we're recording. Okay. Yeah. No. I don't. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. I am excited. Always excited to do another episode. Uh, always good to catch up with you, Mike. Yep, uh, yep, absolutely. For new viewers and listeners, if you don't know, you can probably tell by our voices. I am based in the UK. Mike is based on the other side of a little piece of water we call the Atlantic Ocean over in America. That's right. Or the but US. we come together you. to give you entertainment and insight about films and, yeah, many films. That's right. But, you know, US and UK are only one letter apart. So really, Phil, we're not that different. <gasps> See what I did there? <laughs> a little bit of philosophy. I'm we'll drop a little philosophy bomb early in the episode. Uh, <laughs> well, well, Phil, why don't you tell people what we have in, on tap tonight? Because I, I am excited about it. That wasn't just hyperbole. I, I'm psyched to, to get into some of these topics. Tell people what we are talking about tonight. Yes, we're going to be going after the ending of Tony Scott's 1998 film, Enemy of the, Enemy of the State. Mm-hmm. Nice to get that out. Uh, that's the one that stars Will Smith and Gene Hackman. Yep. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the recent Oscar nominations for the 2022 Oscars that came out last week. And um, we're going to be then discussing our top five. Is it a favorite? Anyway, well, it's top top five, not favorite, because I feel like that's yeah. that's more um, opposite than just saying it's the top five. You know, yeah, you can have a top five bad list things too. It's the top five worst movie titles. Well, like yeah. what we feel are the worst movie titles because these things are always subjective. Completely, yeah. Completely. That's I was what surprised. I was surprised how many lists included Alvin the Chipmunks to the Squeakquel on the worst movie title lists, which I think is brilliant. So, like, clearly very subjective because that's just comedy gold right there. And I'm not I even agree. being sarcastic. I agree with you though. I I I felt the same way when I saw that. I'm not saying yeah. it's a good film, but yeah. It's actually, I, I mean, it's, I, I like the Alvin Chipmunks films for what they are. You know, I watched them with my kids when they were coming out, but uh, I just think that's a good one. The squeakquel, that's that's great. Oh, what a great pun! Come on, anyway. exactly. <laughs> I like a good pun, yeah, maybe it's because we're dads, dad jokes, right, but right, anyway, that's right. what we've got coming up. And also, we'll be doing our uh, usual after the ending recommendations, which can be anything, can be film, music, mm-hmm. books, games, anything, and everything. That's all yeah. coming up. Uh, it is indeed. A jam-packed show, for sure. Uh, well, let's jump into things then with our usual kick things off with the the namesake of the show, if you will, our After the Endings, uh, in which case we are going to go after the ending of Enemy of the State uh, from 1998. Like you said, Phil, starring Will Smith and uh, Gene Hackman and everybody else. Like, I was surprised. So, okay. So a little behind the scenes, you know, most times when Phil and I are trying to think of a movie to do our After the Ending for, it's kind of like, 
have we done this movie? I don't know. What about this movie? I'm not in the mood for that. But what about this movie? I haven't seen that one. I just watched Enemy of the State a couple days ago uh, because I've been sort of on this crazy movie binge where I'm trying to, I've been trying to watch 365 movies in a year and I failed the last two years. So this year I was like, I'm determined. So I'm just watching stuff left and right. And I watched Enemy of the State a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago and I, I enjoyed it. But the supporting cast, I mean, it's a bit of a who's who of the 90s male actors but listen to this supporting cast besides will smith and gene hackman right you got john voight regina king seth green jack black lisa bonet lauren dean barry pepper jason lee scott Kahn, jake Busey, gabriel byrne jamie kennedy and tom sizemore all in one movie that's i mean that's a little bit ridiculous right it is yeah jason robards as well yeah jason no no it's got it on the list it's got it on the cast list congressman philip hammersley i don't know oh, yes about. No, wait. Phil Hammersley was played by uh, John Voight, not Jason Robards. But maybe... Um, anyway. Well, this is Wikipedia, so it might be right. Oh. Yeah, I might be wrong. Maybe I missed him. My point is, that is like a 90s, a mid-90s, like, who's who of... you know, And most of them are still pretty active, you know, actors today, obviously. Indeed, so, indeed, yeah. Um, it is a good cast. I was, it's just every... Every time I was just watching the credits, another name would pop up. I'm like, geez, who else is in this movie? Um, so, uh, so yeah, good stuff. So, Phil, let's start off. So, I, I kind of said how I feel a little bit about it. I'll, I'll talk more. But what? How, how do you feel? How do you feel about Enemy of the State? It's been a while since I've seen it, but I've I always enjoyed it when I have seen it. I, I like uh, Will Smith's great, and I always like these conspiracy things. Uh, like uh, they always seem to be uh, the American conspiracy movies always seem to be a bit more action packed than the ones that come out here in the UK. But uh, yeah, Enemy of the State, it's a solid film. I like the whole setup, the way he's just totally mixed in with it all. I like the way the NSA tech guys like uh, Jack Black and the others, they just, they're told it's a training mission, so they're just doing what they think they're doing, and it all just escalates. And then having Gene Hackman come in, and the fact he was in the conversation back in 1974 playing a very similar character. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a back, maybe it's a sequel to it, or maybe not, but I always, I, in my head, he's always the same character from the conversation. Yeah, that's good well. head yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think it's a great film, and I am. When you mentioned it, I was uh, I do mean to track it down and watch it again because it's yeah, it's definitely since I've seen it. It's definitely worth rewatching. I'll say this, I you know, like I said, I just watched it a couple of days ago. Um, it's I find it holds up exceptionally well. It's Tony Scott, so I mean, he's just such a great director. Uh, he made he rarely made a bad film. Um, the only thing about it that's a little bit dated is the technology. Um, and even oh, that because yeah. it was all cutting edge technology so it's not like it's you know it's not so far out of date but obviously it's computer you know uh, graphics not computer graphics but like computer uh, setups and things like that from 20 years ago so it's a little bit dated in that respect but even that holds up pretty well but just the story of it and the action of it and the way the conspiracy part of it um it's just so much fun it's a really enjoyable movie and it and it um really cemented my opinion that Gene Hackman was the finest actor of the 20th century, hands down. Uh, I just don't think that he get like, it's hard to say he's underappreciated because he's Gene Hackman. Like everybody knows who he is. Everyone appreciates him as a great actor, but I think people just sort of think of him as like, Oh, Gene Hackman, as opposed to being like, he's just like, I haven't seen a single movie where he's ever delivered a single line where I didn't believe 
every yeah. syllable. Of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like go, he, I, I can go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I think he's phenomenal. And when you watch some of his movies, I don't think require like a heavy, heavy lift. But like his performance in Mississippi Burning is amazing. I'm getting off topic here, but I just every time I watch something with Gene Hackman, I just go, oh, my God, how is he not recognized as like the greatest actor of all time? You know, yeah, well, yeah, he is a great actor, but I, I know what you mean where he's sort of uh, not forgotten, but when it, there's like lists of actors and top yeah, actors. like I, I don't think he got a ton of Academy Award nominations and stuff mm. like that. You know, I know he did earlier in his career, but like I don't know, I just feel like every movie he acted in, acted in he was phenomenal, you know. Yeah, Mississippi Burning as well. That's another film I've not seen. That's the, his performance in that movie is just yeah. amazing, but it's a hard watch, but it's a good film. Yes, agreed. Yeah, but. Anyway, Enemy of the State, it's a lot of fun. I like Before it. Before we go any further, people who are watching like this live on the Facebook page, uh, regular viewers will know you can leave comments. So, I mean, yes, please if you do. leave a comment now, what's your favorite uh, Gene Hackman film? Favorite role? Things like that. Yes. It's nice as well. I always like the fact that he retired. He retired from acting, said, right, I've done enough. I'm going to yep. retire and just chill out. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. He, he earned it. Um, also, I'd like to point out um, uh, Enemy of the State is a Christmas movie. Um, it takes place at Christmas. There are several Christmas trees throughout it. Um, so therefore it is obviously a Christmas tree. So next time you're curling up at Christmas time, looking at your favorite, you know, Christmas action movie, which is obviously first blood. Uh, cause that's also a Christmas movie. Um, you yeah. can add enemy of the state to your list of, of great warm Yuletide films. Yeah. Cause nothing says Christmas more than getting set up by your government and going on the run hey, while your life is dismantled. That is Equally as Christmas Christmassy as saving a tower full of people from terrorists. Yeah. So it's a Christmas movie then by most people's criteria. It's it what counts. it's all about. It's what it's yep. all about. That's what yeah. it's all about. All right. So uh, Enemy of the State, shall we get into our endings, Phil? Yes, let's do it. All right. Do you want to kick off? You want me to kick off? Shall I kick off this week? Sure, why not? Okie doke. Go for it. Right. Uh, do you want to do a run through the film or? Just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot I didn't do that because I was talking about the cast. I got distracted. Um, okay. <laughs> So here is the setup of Enemy of the State. Congressman Phil Hammersley murders an NSA official who is challenging his telecommunications bill that will allow the U.S. government to spy on the American people in unprecedented ways. When a guy named David Zavitz uncovers video of the murder, he calls a journalist friend, and that phone call puts him on the NSA's radar. They send men after Zavitz, but he goes on the run and slips the tape to an unsuspecting lawyer named Robert Dean before he gets killed. The NSA, under the direction of Hammersley, starts making Dean's life hell, getting him fired, accusing him of an affair, emptying his bank accounts, even eventually framing him for murder. Dean enlists the help of the secretive Henry Brill, a paranoid ex-NSA member who is an expert at surveillance techniques. They go on the run from Hammersley and the NSA, and eventually they end up setting up Hammersley against a mob boss that Dean has had dealings with as a lawyer. A shootout between the mob and the NSA leaves pretty much everyone dead except for you know, Robert Dean and, and Henry Brill and a couple of junior agents. And Dean's innocence is proven, allowing him, now much wiser about how the government operates and how little privacy anyone really has, to reunite with his wife and son while Henry Brill disappears off to a tropical beach somewhere. And that is the quick breakdown of Enemy of the State. It's a lot more fun to watch it than it is to hear about it, but just to kind of remind you of what was happening in the film. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I do always like those, the way it all comes together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay, absolutely. well... Well, here's, I shall crack on with my, with what happens after the ending. All right, let's hear it. Okay, despite being cleared of all charges, uh, Bobby was still looking over his shoulder. 
He does eventually manage to relax, but he just cannot believe how quickly his life was dismantled. He ends up not going back to his old law firm and instead takes a job at a new firm that deals with priv uh, privacy rights and law. This leads to meetings with various congressmen and lawmakers, and Bobby helps bring in laws that solidify basic privacy rights for all individuals. It also means as the internet develops, because it's still in its very early stages in the uh, late 90s, uh, early 2000s, but as the internet develops, various companies, one called Facebook, uh, <laughs> are unable to collect personal information or as much personal information as they'd like due to the laws created by Bobby. Uh, this also leads to less advertising or less intrusive advertising and also cuts down on misinformation being spread over the following years. Without realizing it or as a necessary intention, Bobby's dealings with privacy laws make the Internet a better place through the years. And they're not just the domains of wealthy corporations. It becomes a true spread of knowledge that helps people around the world and it achieves the potential that it showed from its very beginnings. It's, uh, it's still obviously got places where you don't want to go on the internet, but on the whole, people treat each other a lot better. And the world itself just works in a slightly better way. Bobby's work is also implemented into the election process and people who run for government or work in government agencies. So that what happened... Oh, um, let me just check that. Bobby's work's... All, but, but, uh, yeah, so it's implemented in the election process and uh, with regards hiring people who run for government or work in government agencies just to ensure that what happens to Bobby never happens again. This leads to more people who want to help others and change the world to a better place working in government positions and less people who are in it just for the money and power. Bobby never sees Brill again, but every year he gets a postcard on his birthday that says, keep up the good work, kid. And that's my after the ending. Very nicely done. I like it. It's a very... Um... It's a very uh, optimistic outtake for a movie that might not be considered as optimistic, but I like that. That's that's very you, Phil, I think. Thank you very much. Yeah, learning from what's going on. Sadly, it probably wouldn't happen that way, but that's what I like to see. With <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, I agree, man. We may as well write the world we want to see, right? Yeah, so if, uh, if anybody's listening, if we can make all that happen. <laughs> right. You know, anybody's that'd be great. Listening, like if, you mean like if anyone's listening, like the NSA oh, yeah. is like secretly yeah. listening to our podcast? Hello, those people listening. <laughs> um, all right. Very nicely done. Very nicely done. Uh, this seems to me like a good opportunity to point out that Phil and I, for those of you who don't know, do not compare our endings before we share them live <laughs> okay. on the show. Um, I, we take them in very different directions, but there are two key points in my ending that are very, uh, that match up almost exactly to two key points in your ending. So, oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, kind of interesting that we both went in that direction. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't always happen, but it, it does. In fact, it usually doesn't, but once in a while it does. So I like to point out that that's a coincidence, and Phil and I are not collaborating on our endings. Okay, well, um, uh, let's hear it then. All right, so let me uh, let me do the view thing here, and okay, so let's take this, uh, and I will give you guys my ending. So, um, okay, it takes a few months for Robert and his family to untangle the mess the NSA made of his life, but with the testimony of the two remaining NSA agents, they're finally able to do so. Every so often, Robert gets a postcard in the mail from a different beach town in South America. He assumes they're from Brill, but they're never signed. 
Dean decides not to return to his law firm, and instead, with his wife Carla's help, he opens up a privacy protection firm. He takes on <laughs> cases where people's privacy has been invaded by the government, while also teaching people ways to stay off the grid and or look for, for unlawful surveillance. Uh, he's very careful about who he helps. He doesn't want to teach like criminals how to avoid the law, but he works hard to make people vigilant about the government overstepping its bounds. Things are going well for Robert and his family until one day he gets one of Brill's trademark postcards. This time, there's just one phrase written on it. What's the pattern? Robert looks through all of his electronic data, his emails, his photographs, his client list, but nothing comes together for him. Finally, while he's staring at Brill's postcard, he has an epiphany. He pulls out all of Brill's previous postcards and lays them out by date. And what he sees is that each one is from a beach getting closer and closer to him. Argentina, Bolivia, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, Texas, Florida, Virginia. This last postcard is from Delaware Beach. Brill seems to be moving closer to him, but he's not sure why. Robert grabs his go bag that he has prepared now that he's an expert in all things surveillance and is about to call Carla when the door to his practice opens. It's Brill. I see you got my message, he says to Robert. What is the message? What is going on? Robert asks in a panic. I'll tell you on the way, Brill says. This is a big one. On the way? On the way where? Robert asks. Washington, D.C., Brill says. We have to save the president. And that's where we'll leave it for the oh, next. Oh, song. nice. <laughs> yeah. A little fun. Uh, Try to get into some of the conspiracy stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's see if this time maybe they're, they've uncovered something so big. They actually have to go help the government this time. You know, yeah, yeah. These up a little bit. So. Oh. Damn it, we're never going to see that now. <laughs> Gene Hackman's retired. Yeah, I know, right? What a shame. Um, but you see that I thought was interesting, right? We both had him kind of taking like a privacy law yep, firm. Yep. And then we both had the post. When you said the postcards, I was like, wow. All right. Again, different, uh, you know, yeah, different yeah. plot points based on it. But, uh, you know, a few similarities. So That's good. That's good. No, I like that. All right. Very cool. So there you go. That is our, those are our endings for... Uh, Enemy of the State, uh, a really good film, I do think. It, it's a, it's a fun action thriller. You know, if you're in the mood for like an action thriller that's that's more than just gunfights and explosions. Although there's a couple of explosions in it, but um, it's a good conspiracy kind of twisty thriller. Lots of fun. Uh, definitely worth worth watching. And it's on one of the streaming services right now. Although I could not tell you which one. Cool, cool. Yeah, I need to uh, find that. Going to watch that. I think next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always fun to kind of, you know, go back and, and revisit some of the ones we talk about here, uh, you know, afterwards, if you want, or even before sometimes, although I seem to rarely have time for that. So <laughs> it doesn't seem to work out as often. A lot of times I think I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to watch this before. But it was handy that I watched the movie first and then suggested we do it for an after. The oh, end. definitely, definitely. Um, all right, so there you go. So if you guys have thoughts on after the uh, on Enemy of the State or or Gene Hackman or Will Smith, who we'll talk about in a minute, I think, um, drop them in the comments, and uh, we'll be happy to read them out. But in the meantime, let's move on to our next topic. This is kind of a big one, a big annual topic. It's the 2022 Academy Award nominations. Yes, did yes. they get them right? That's the question. They never do. They never do is right, but okay. But so, so more le- less to the point than I should say. What do we think about them, Phil? Uh, so here's what I thought we would do actually is go through a couple of the, the main categories, and then instead of just sort of throwing out random thoughts, and then we'll see what we think about those. How's that? Yeah, work? yeah, yeah. All right. So let's start with uh, let's, let's start with the, the smaller ones and bring them up to the big one. How's that sound? That sounds. We'll good work way, our man. way towards best picture. 
Um, okay, so best supporting actor, uh, Ciaran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Any thoughts on any of those nominations? Uh, well, I've only seen The Power of the Dog and Being the Ricardos, mm -hmm. uh, but I hear it'd be great if uh, Troy Kotzer for, would win for Coda because he's okay. uh, uh, he's, his performance is meant to be fantastic. Uh, he's also uh, a deaf actor, so it's Oh, it's, it's right, great, right, right. Yeah. It's great seeing him being uh, nominated to begin with. That's really good. I yep. also think he was a, a consultant in one of the Tuscan Raiders in The Mandalorian and yeah. the book of Boba Fett, if I'm right. Apologies if it's somebody else, but I'm sure it's him. But out of the ones I've seen, uh, Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee, uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll be discussing Path of the Dog in a bit after our recent conversation. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Out of the two of them, the two characters are very. They're very passive in the film. Yeah. But that, that's the actual yeah. characters they are. Uh, I, but I'd probably go with Cody Smith-McPhee purely because of the, the way his character changes a bit. But uh, it's mm, it's yeah. a hard one. It is. I, um, I've i actually only seen The Power of the Dog on that one. I haven't gotten around to being the Ricardos yet because I kind of forgot about it, but I do want to see it. Always J.K. Simmons is very see... good. He's very What's good. that? J.K. Okay. Simmons is very good, but he's always good. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm always happy to see him win because I love him. He's great. Um, and he was super nice when I interviewed him. But um, yeah, I was a, now here's the thing. I think Jesse Plemons is a an, an awesome actor. I mean, I've been a fan of his since he was on Friday Night Lights um, as sort of like the, the quarterback sort of nerdy friend. Um, and now he's really turned into a, a real kind of character actor movie star type of guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And I did think he was really good in The Power of the Dog, although his role is not a big one um cody smith mcphee man i i was baffled that he got nominated for this i feel like his entire performance is just a a blank stare although to be fair that's been most of his entire career yeah. um I, except for when he played nightcrawler which i thought he was fantastic as in, in x-men yeah. 2 yeah yeah um but i just thought his i it was a baffling one for me i don't i don't get it and that's all i'm going to say for now because i got I, more to say about power of the I dog was, i was surprised there was the two the two actors from that film yeah yeah, I felt like really like all the movies out there, they couldn't find somebody who wasn't in The Power of the Dog to find mm -hmm. uh, to nominate for that. It was a little surprising for me. Yeah. Um, okay, so anything else from that one? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, oh, that's about it. Really. It's, uh, it's, but as I say, I do want to see Coda. It was one I meant to watch before. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. My I, wife, had a, um, I had a feeling sorry. that might, be on my, might have been on my best films of uh, 2021 if I had got to see it. Yeah, 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 for sure. My my wife is um, uh, fluent in sign language and works with uh, the deaf population, and so she we're always a little um, a little extra interested in movies that, that deal with that subject matter. So we definitely yeah. wanted to see Coda. We just haven't gotten around to it yet. So um, okay, so should I go through actresses and yeah, yeah, if you've got the list up, then by all means, yeah. uh, best supporting actress, yeah. Oh, best, yeah, best supporting actress, yeah. It's uh, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, uh, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast. Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. And apologies if I get the name. It's Ingenue. Ingenue. Oh, yeah. Ingenue Alice and King Richard. Yes. So, okay. Damn. Yeah, what do you reckon? Well, um, okay. Let me just get my snarky comment out of the way first. I love Judy Dench. She's an amazing actress. I mean, uh, what a great career. But I do feel like it's like the annual Judy Dench nomination award. You know, like, oh, we got to fit Judy Dench in there somewhere. You know, like... 
let's not give all the uh, the nominations to to newer actresses, you know. Um, but I, I know it's deserving. She's fantastic. It's just funny to me. It's like when Michael Caine gets nominated, you're like, oh, what a surprise! Someone nominated Michael Caine for an award. But um, uh, I've I've seen three of these performances. Um, Kirsten Dunst very good in The Power of the Dog, even though she I have was, major was. problems with her character. Um, Anjanu Ellis is utterly fantastic in King Richard. Be very happy to see her win. But honestly, my dark horse pick that I would love to see win the most is Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Because when I came out of West Side Story, which I enjoyed quite a bit, um, but I came out of West Side Story and I was like, I don't know who this Ariana DeBose chick is, but she stole the show completely. She plays um, not Maria, but Maria's sister. I forget her name now. Um, I forget the name of the character, but it's it's one of the main characters. And she <laughs> just like steals the screen every time she's on it. She lights up the screen. She's so vibrant and full of energy and her dancing and her everything is so powerful. But like she is just like a sight to behold in that movie. And I would really love to see her. I think that'd be a bold pick for the Academy. And I think it'd be well-deserved because she was like a beacon of light in that film. And I, I was blown away by her performance. Um, so that's my, my hope. Her or Anjanou Ellis, I would love to see either of them take it. Well, I was thinking it was going to be. I, I think Ariana DeBose could be the one as well, but I also wonder whether Jesse Buckley might, because she's a, she's a brilliant actor. So I was just. Yeah, I'm know, not familiar with The Lost Daughter. That's not a film I even know much it's, about. It's the one on Netflix. It was uh, Olivia Coleman's in it as well. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, personally, I, I found that. Um... I found it a bit slow, but uh, but it's really yeah. good performances. Everybody was really good in it, but right. I think that had a film I'm not going to like written all over it. And I don't yeah, think. I, yeah. Yeah. It's one of I those films. I watched it. It's because it's uh, as I, said, I didn't particularly enjoy it that much, but I can see why they're nominated because it was really good acting. I think mm -hmm. Jesse Buckley played the younger version of Olivia Coleman's character. Right, right, right. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be a, a Ariana DeBose from West Side Story, though, to be honest. They they do have uh, um, the the Academy does have a history with a best supporting actress for whatever reason of sort of taking the oddball choice there you know Mira Sorvino uh, Marissa Tomei in in uh, My Cousin Vinny not that she wasn't brilliant in that movie but not the choice you usually expect them to take so that would be kind of a standing with tradition for them to pick her up for that because it's a little out of left field and they seem to always like that with best supporting actress but she's my favorite again or or Anjanou Ellis um yeah, but all yeah. of them I don't think there's a bad uh actress in the bunch obviously um so that's a that's a pretty strong category for my for my money yeah so it's gonna be yeah I'm on the same page there I think yeah yeah okay. for sure all right so that brings us to best actor uh, which we have Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Thoughts on that? Uh, all strong choices. All were good in the roles that I've seen. But I'm just... I don't think uh, Javier Bardem will win for Being the Ricardos. Okay. Uh, that's just my gut, though, because it's a hard pick because they were all really good in the roles. Yeah, I think it may well be Will Smith for King Richard, mm. but then again, Denzel Washington—it's doing, he's doing It's uh, you know Shakespeare, so the Academy usually likes stuff like that. But then, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at everything. Just keep flip flopping through them all. Andrew Garfield and Tick Tick Boom—it's all musical and theatre, isn't it? And oh, I really don't know which way that's going to go. To be honest, yeah, I um, I. I um I like 
I like all these choices for the most part. I haven't seen all of the films. Um, the trailer alone for Tick, Tick, Boom, I think Andrew Garfield deserves a nomination for. Um, but I think he's also excellent in everything. I'd be very happy mm -hmm. to see him um, win. I um, I haven't seen The Tragedy of Macbeth because I passionately hate Shakespeare. But uh, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Denzel Washington movies lately. He's just so good in everything. I feel yeah, like he, is. He, he, is. he earns it as a kind of a career um award even though he's won a couple before it's not like he hasn't won the um i thought will smith and king richard was phenomenal uh his performance and i like i i i would definitely love to see him win because i do think i mean he carries that movie he's in literally every scene of the film it's and he's pretty pretty amazing in my opinion really the only one i don't want to see win is benedict cumberbatch um not just because of my feelings about the movie the power of the dog but i just didn't think his performance it was weird. Like when I read the Netflix description of it, it was like a charismatic yet crusty uh, ranch hand tries to do whatever. And I was like, charismatic. Like I didn't find him charismatic or charming at all. I just found him like very one note and annoying. And like, very I feel like his whole, his whole performance was just like, look at me. I can do a Western cowboy accent. Let me talk real slow and loud, and occasionally I'll look real menacing and whistle some. And I'm never taking off these chaps, ever, except for the scene where I'm rubbing myself on a handkerchief. That's well, how I talk through the whole movie. Mind, mind you, though, because the, the, the character, though, is basically playing a role because he's he's playing something that he's not actually is. That's 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 is, is that the character. Okay. So maybe that was wondering whether, but I know what you mean. But yeah, he's the he's the one I don't think will win. But it's interesting as well, though, that three of them of the nominees are playing uh, like in biopics. There's like three they're actually playing real people. Right, right, right. Yeah. So and the, and the, the academy. I'm trying to think what the academy has done in the past when it comes to those kind of. Uh, they well, they get they'll they'll give some. I mean, uh, Sean yeah. Penn won for Milk. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think there's probably more of them than you think of off the top of your head. You know. Yeah. But I want to call. I want to say Andrew Garfield, tick tick boom. All right, um, I didn't know you were doing predictions. So I didn't. I was just thinking more about our opinions. Yeah. So now you got me no, with predictions. That's, my, like, that's, oh, my, that's, that's who my. That's who I think will win. Okay, fair enough. I'm, I haven't decided yet who I think will I, win. I so. think he's on a roll, Andrew Garfield. I, I think he's brilliant in everything. I am a huge fan. I love him, um, and I, I think his his performances are always phenomenal. So, um, all right, cool. So, best actress. You want to read those out? Yeah, best actress. We've got uh, Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Powell Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Okay, so here's the thing. I um, I generally don't have any respect for the Academy and their choices for the most part every year. It started in 2010 when they uh, ignored Tron Legacy for best visual effects, which told me they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and I disagree <laughs> with a lot of their choices. Um, however, they got one thing 100% right here. Since I saw it uh, mid last year, I have been saying that if Jessica Chastain did not get nominated for her performance in the eyes of Tammy Faye, it would be a crime. Um, and this, I will give the Academy credit. The movie did not get nearly as many nominations as it deserved. It only got yeah. best actress and best makeup, but hallelujah. Her performance in the eyes of Tammy Faye is one of the best performances I've ever seen. It deserves to be nominated. It deserves to win. She is my pick. I don't know if she's my prediction, but she's the one I want to see win this, you know, far and away more than anybody else. Um, yeah. Yeah, when I saw her, she was nominated for that role. I knew you'd be uh, you'd be happy about that. I've <laughs> still had a nice. chance to see it. It's only just come out. I think it's only just come out in uh, the UK. 
yeah it just hit one of the streaming services now too but it might be i don't remember which one it is i don't Mm -hmm. know if it's one of the bigger ones it might be one of the smaller ones like stars or something like that maybe it's hulu though um definitely it's such a great movie but her performance is just phenomenal um just phenomenal Olivia Coleman, though, she was great in Lost Daughter. But again, mm-hmm. I'm wondering as well, because these ones, unlike with Bim and Ricardo's, both of those films went straight to Netflix and Amazon. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what the, what the Academy's like at the minute with uh, films that go straight to streaming. Yeah, I don't know. But they, didn't they? Um, they did I think it was well. limited. They had limited uh, theatrical releases because otherwise they wouldn't have right. qualified, apparently. Because they so, did. Um, the Academy gave a lot of uh, nominations and awards to uh, Roma, didn't they, for Quaron? Yes, that they was did. A, yeah, that was yeah a, that's right. Yeah. That was an, I think they're getting over that a little bit more, especially in the wake of the pandemic, where they probably watch most of their movies at home anyway. That's you know, I, I think that sort of blurs that line between theatrical and home releases a little bit more now. So, um, I did watch Spencer. Uh, Kristen Stewart was, she was really good. I guess I, it's so funny with her because some of the mannerisms she does as Princess Diana are also Kristen Stewart mannerisms, but I don't think that means they're not accurate to Princess Diana. I think they just had some similar ones, but there's some of the things that she does where she like kind of looks down and like shakes her head a little bit and it's very Kristen Stewart-ish, but it's hard to deny it's it's a pretty incredible performance. Movie itself was garbage in my opinion. Uh, Not a good movie. Um, Except for- I I like the film, but yeah, I do. She she did do an, an outstanding performance. I can see why she was nominated. Yeah, yeah, not hard to see that for sure. And yeah. she did really like look like her and sort of capture the essence of her, I think. So, yeah. you know. But Nicole Kidman was really good as uh, Lucille Ball. Yeah, I mean, she's always the, great. Uh, the makeup might be. I was it took me a while to get used to that. And right, the, I got really got to watch that now that it's gotten nominated for some stuff. Especially, I didn't. I just like I, said, I kind of forgot about it, but I do want to see it. But she was so. good. But yeah, it's uh, it's. Against, but I hope, I hope for your sake that Jessica Chastain wins. I hope yeah, so too. It's, it, look, it's all actresses that I like very much, yeah. uh, and Kristen Stewart. But um, I, uh, I just don't think there's any competition. And I haven't seen all of them, so I can't really say. But like, I just Jessica Chastain's performance is one for the ages, in my opinion. But, so, but again, like with the best actor, there's also there's like three, uh, three people uh, actors playing real roles. You know, real yeah. people. Yeah, clearly, a, clearly a, a trend this year. Seems mm. like. All right. Well, that's going to bring us then to Best Director, which gives us Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, also one I'm not very familiar with, uh, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, um, which is an interesting mix. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, hold on, I'm just trying to get the the full thing up because it's not showing on my list there. I'm, I'm, I'm made up that Steven Spielberg was nominated again. I know he's been nominated in the past, but it's it's always nice to see him, especially for the fact it's a musical. Yeah. Uh, but I think... Uh, I've, I've not seen Drive My Car as well, although loads of reviews are raving about it, but it's a, I think it's like a three-hour movie, so mm. I'm not sure how that would go with you. But I am thinking... Uh, what's the other one I've not seen? Licorice Pizza as well. Yeah. People have been raving about that. Uh-huh, I've heard that. But uh, I, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Jane Campion, Power of the Dog. She could be the one that gets chosen. Hmm. Because it's, she's Jane Campion. She's Did she one off the piano? Yeah, I think so. Uh, did, maybe yeah. not for no, no, not for the direct not for director. Piano, I think, won Best Picture, but she oh, yeah, that, I think that's um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Zero Dark Thirty there was the first woman to win for Best Director, and that was well after uh, the piano. So maybe that'll be kind of people feel like she's due. 
I think it's going to be I mean, her, Paul Thomas Anderson, personally. But I don't yeah, know yeah. I, I mean, there's Kenneth Branagh's Belfast had a, had some good buzz in the run up to this as well. I mean, but again, people seem to either love that film or go or like it's like. Mm. I've heard really good things about it. I just I do feel like that's kind of like the one that is sort of like um, didn't get enough success to sort of really drive people to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It it kind of had a small release like i think a lot of critics liked it a lot of people liked it but i don't think it really kind of got the zeitgeist enough to necessarily pull out best director but i don't know maybe yeah. for director but i guess it can also can depend on which takes the best picture sometimes you do see those paired up you know that's true yeah yeah i don't think spielberg would i think it's uh, yeah probably not i mean i thought west side story was pretty great honestly but i i can see where it wouldn't be I think people hold off on their Spielberg vote and be like, well, let's do, let's save that for when he makes another really powerful film, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it'll either be Ryosuke Hamaguchi for drive my car or Jane Campion for power of the dog. All right. Fair enough. That's I'll, what I, I think. I think the, the Academy is going to go that way. I'll be super excited if Jane Campion wins for power of the dog, <laughs> but we'll discuss that in our next category. All right. Best picture. Do you want to read them out? You want me to read them out? I'll, I'll do the best picture. Let All me just right. get the list. Where did it go? I had it here. Just bear with me. Here we go. Uh, yeah, we've got Nightmare Alley by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Don't Look Up by Adam McKay. Dune by Denis Villeneuve. Drive, Drive My Car. Just had uh, Belfast. Licorice Pizza. Uh, Power of the Dog. West Side Story. King Richard and Coda. All right. So it's a pretty good mix of films this year i feel like it is yeah i was surprised uh, to see don't look up in there i enjoyed that film but i was surprised to see it in the best picture nomination. Uh, yeah i was too I, I don't think it has a snowball's chance in hell of winning to be honest with you uh, i enjoyed it very much it's just yeah. it's too silly i think like in terms of its tone um to to really win the oscar for best picture you know i was surprised it got nominated for sure um, if you want to make any jokes about liberal Hollywood, that might be the, the one where you go, well, maybe there's something in that liberal Hollywood thing, um, which, you know, which is great. I have no problem with that. I just think it is like maybe because the subject matter is, you know, leans a little that direction. Maybe that got it some extra love. Much as I enjoyed the film, I did very much. I, I was just surprised it got nominated. Yeah, um, I, was, I, was, I was made up to see Dune in there. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think that will win because it's I don't think so. I, uh, I honestly, I think I would normally think Nightmare Alley has a really good shot, except for the fact that it didn't really get any other real nominations. Like it didn't get any acting nominations, didn't get director nominations. Like usually that's not a great sign for a best yeah. picture, right? Um, although it's best picture though, considering the other things aren't there. Say that again. I, I was surprised to see it as best picture considering mm. uh, right. Guillermo del Toro wasn't nominated. In the That's what I mean. Yeah, things. it's it's a weird one that usually that you you know you don't see that. Um, I was surprised. I liked it very much. I, I love the original film. Uh, it's a kind of sort of a little known semi cult classic from like 1947. That's just absolutely amazing. Um, I really liked uh, um, Guillermo del Toro's remake of it. Um, I thought it was pretty awesome. I don't think it'll win best picture, but. Um, but I like it. It's definitely worth watching if you have the means. It's on Hulu and HBO Max and definitely worth watching. Yeah, it's, it's not long come out over here. I've not had a chance to see it. But I, I was like you. I think I think that might, though, there's a chance it might win, though, because it is like a, it's a, a film noir. It's it's an old school movie. It's an old school kind of feel to it. And it's good performances. And it might it might capture the voters in the Academy. It might. I, I think it's a long it, shot. Yeah. Personally. 
Absolutely. I think I think I could see Licorice Pizza taking it or Power of the Dog taking it. Um, much as okay, we gotta we gotta discuss the elephant in the room here with uh, the Power of the Dog. Yeah, the Power of the Dog. Well, it was mentioned in our top. It was in my top ten films, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Where did it come in, in your top ten? Do you remember? I can't remember. I've not got it wasn't your tied for number one, was it? With no, no, that was Pig and uh, Spider Man. Oh, right, right, right. I, I can't was, remember. I think it was on like, your top I ten. Though, the, I remember that. I think it was in the eight, either seven or eight, maybe. Well, yeah, um, it was, it was I, up that it was up that end of the top ten. It would definitely make my top ten of films I've hated more than any other films I've ever seen in my life. Um, I it is the worst movie ever. I don't. I honestly don't understand how that made your top ten list. I also <laughs> don't understand how it got all these Oscar nominations. It's the most god awful movie I've ever seen. It is miserable people doing miserable things for over two hours. Nobody's actions make sense at all oh i'm kirsten dunst i'm gonna start drinking because my life is so horrible why because i have a rich husband who loves me and his weird brother was a occasionally slightly rude to me and now i'm traumatized because of it okay sure i can that, see i can see all sense. your points and understand them but it's i, just, I still really it's, like it, yeah. it's it's just it was interminable I, I watched that and and Spencer back to back and I wanted to <laughs> like honestly take the bridge. It was like the most miserable like four and a half hours of my life. Um, they're they're just they're I mean I like Spencer better than Power of the Dog. I when I rated it in my um, in my uh, you know the app that I use that now I can't think of the name of it um, to track my movies. I, I rated it a half a star because if you don't give it a if you give it zero stars it doesn't show up that you rated it. So I had to <laughs> give it a half star. It is just awful i it was so boring and so slow and so pointless like 40 minutes into the movie 40 minutes into the movie i i i was looking at it and i'm like i still don't know what the plot of this movie is like i i've finished the whole movie tell me the plot of power of the dog phil tell me what the plot of power of the dog is it's What's uh, the story of power of the dog it's it's a it's a guy well two brothers who uh they get a ranch they take over the family's there and one of them uh, player Benedict Cumberbatch, he idolizes an old uh, cowboy who showed in the ways being a cowboy, but as it's there was obviously some more, there was a deeper connection, uh, there was love between them, uh, which Benedict Cumberbatch's character tries to repress that because it wasn't the man, the manly thing to do, and it just twists him up inside, and he becomes this this twisted idea of a cowboy and he ends up taking it out on anybody who doesn't go along with that and he's he's angry with himself he's repressed all these things and then he meets uh, Kirsten Dunn's character becomes involved with them his brother marries her brings him to the ranch he doesn't like the fact uh I think he resents women because he feels he should he should love them but he doesn't have that feeling towards them so that comes out and in, in treating her dreadfully and the fact that his son is quite uh uh not not like uh, the cowboys. He's more an intellectual. He's studying to be a doctor. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character has feelings for him, which he doesn't like, and so he represses them and also bullies him. And then he, uh, when he comes yeah, back... No, don't take this personally, Phil, but I was bored to tears just listening to you try and tell me the plot. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair First enough. of all, second of all, that's not even really a plot. But when we do the after the ending for The Power of the Dog, I'll let you write up the plot, and you can probably boil it down to about two sentences, which is, yeah. you know... Brothers have a ranch. Woman marries one of them. She drinks a lot. Son is weird. The end. Like, there's no story to that movie at all. It, you made it sound like there was more going on than there really was. But like, imagine literally everything you just said, but stretch it out to take two hours to tell. It was. Like, it probably could have done. It was a long film. I don't think it needed to be that long. Yeah, it could have been about 120 minutes shorter. <laughs> Excellent. 
just unbelievable. Okay. Well, I do not, not understand people sometimes. I really don't, man. My wife put it well. I think she said when I was asking about like why the Oscars, you know, reward movies like like Power of the Dog and Spencer. Like I'm like, who's sitting there watching this movie and just going like, yes, this is what I wanted from a movie going experience. This is what I wanted to experience sitting in the theater. And she said, I think sometimes people feel like they are supposed to like a film more than they actually like a film. Oh, I, I can see that a lot with some films, yeah. But don't forget, yeah, you mentioned that's that. That's what happens. The Oscar isn't about movies. It's about film. Blah. And it's uh, and it's as it goes on every year, the more and more the Oscars always seem to be more and more out of touch. Yeah, they really do. I'm, I mean, I just, I don't, it's, it's some, look, I get like, you know, I get the prestige pictures and things like that, or whatever, but like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think about like, I, I don't know, like the epic movies, the films, the things that used to really be like spectacles and stuff that would get rewarded for being, you know, or just really clever films, you know, um, like, like at least Star Wars lost to Annie Hall, which had great dialogue. Like, I still think that that's a travesty, but like, okay. But like, it's like the power of the dog wins for best picture. What are we saying? Like, like, Hey, here's a movie that no one's going to like, and it's really, really awful. Um, and it sort of has some good performances, I guess, even though most people just walk around blankly staring at things and talking in monotone, but it's the best movie that came out all year. Like, well, I think we need to redefine what best picture then means by the Academy, because it clearly is not the film that people are going to enjoy watching the most. That's for sure. Well, I, I have to wonder if it's because I know lots of the, the people who vote are all members of, you know, make films and all it's people who are involved in the film business. But I often sometimes wonder whether it's a mix. They sort of, some pick the best picture based on the cinematography more than the actual story and things like that from a visual aspect because all the uh, all the ones there was five for cinematography, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. They're all in best picture as well. Right, it's, right. It's still it's still there. Don't look up. I still can't understand. <laughs> that just it doesn't seem to fit. At no, all. it really doesn't. It really doesn't. I do. I do agree, though. I think it's, sometimes it's like the prettiest looking film. And and sure, Power of the Dog. I'll give it that. Good cinematography. Yeah. You know and I mean? it's but it's yeah, a I western, like, even though it's it's not really yeah. western. It's a western as well. And there's lots of old school western fans out there. There there is like a look that I think they feel like Oscar films are supposed to have, and maybe that's a part of it. But I just and that's probably why the eyes of Tammy Faye didn't get nominated, even though it was hands down better than at least eight of those nine pictures you know mm -hmm. well i haven't seen all of them so i can't say that but of the ones that i saw it's better than most of them so uh, i don't know but man i swear to god if if power of the dog wins i'm gonna just throw my television across the room <laughs> sorry it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be an interesting one though because it could go a number of different ways there. there's there's reason i can see a few of them that will be in the running i, I, mean, I can't go ahead drive my car had some buzz early on but that just seems to die down a bit right I can't remember the last time I really truly agreed with the Academy on Best Picture, but I think if if this is the one that, like, this will sort of be like, okay, that's it. I'm I'm officially breaking up with you, Academy, if you pick <laughs> Power of the Dog as Best Picture. But I so strongly suspect that's what's going to happen. I'll be honest. That or Licorice Pizza. Those are the two yeah. I think are going to take yeah. it. So we'll see. I'd like I'd like to see Nightmare Alley win, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see that or. Um, you know, um, well, maybe, maybe after the past couple of years that's been going on, I mean, maybe West Side Story will win because it's a bit more. Yeah, well, I know I the actual story is not people, the fact it's musicals and dancing. I don't, and writing. I don't think it, I don't think it has much of a chance, to be honest with you. I'd love to see King Richard win. Um, I really loved that movie, but yeah, I'd love to see um, Eyes of Tammy Faye win, but that's probably a long shot since it wasn't nominated. 
It would it would be nice to see Will Smith there uh, win the the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, well deserved. Does he ever sure. won one? I can't. Does he ever won it? Uh, didn't he? He was nominated for Ali and uh, Concussion. I think so, movie, yeah. But yeah. I don't remember if he won. I don't think he's won one, but I could be wrong. I, I'm yeah. not good at remembering who won and who lost for Oscars. Yeah, but we'll, uh, we might do in the run up to the uh, the Oscars, we might do some top five things yeah. based around that, like favorite best picture winners yeah. and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, any other thoughts? Any last thoughts on the Oscar nominations, Phil? Uh, let's. I think that's it. Music, production design, and Mike Morale or Dune. I'd like to see on that one. Again, Power of the Dog is in so many nominations. Yeah, that's why I think it's going to win. It was just one of those ones that just swept all the awards, and it's just. Yeah. Anyway, we shall see. We shall see. All right. So uh, one of our friends of the show, Chad Burdett, popped in with the hi, guys. Hi, Chad. Hi, nice Chad. To have you okay. Always Welcome. a pleasure. I've, uh, Chad's been uh, great. He's um, a, a real good guy, but he also has a, um, a good, a really awesome interview show with comic book professionals. And he um, has had me on a few times to talk about my Kickstarter, which is always great to talk to him. So uh, always good to have you around, Chad. Appreciate you stopping in. Um, all right, so let's move on then to our next topic, which is going to be, I'm excited about this one. It's our top five worst movie names, top five worst movie titles. What are the worst named movies ever, maybe, that we could think of? Yeah, um, yeah. And and for this one, I think we had some criteria a little bit, sort of, nothing too much. Basically, it was just like movie titles we hate, kind of, is what it boils down to. And I don't, we generally don't do like worst lists you know like worst film of the year worst performances because i'm kind of like i don't need to harsh anybody's buzz like if i put together my worst well although i just went on a rant about how much i hated power of the dog for 20 minutes so <laughs> obviously i'm completely full of it and i'm a hypocrite but that's different if we're talking about a certain movie i, I mean like yeah you got to share your opinion but i don't need to be like hey here's a bunch of movies that were garbage because it's like what am i pushing there i'd rather shine a spotlight on movies that i love than try and take down movies that i hate but yeah, there are yeah. good movies. In fact, one of the movies on my list is a great movie um, that sometimes have bad movie titles. They just have bad names. And um, that, I think, is a different category. And so our criteria basically was kind of had to be films people heard of. Like if you get yeah. into like the straight DVD market, like the BB movie market, the cult, you know, the, the, the really underground stuff, you can find all sorts of crazy movie names. But really, we're trying to think of like real movies that people have heard of that made it into the theaters. You know, of those movies, which ones have the worst names that's what yeah. we're thinking of that's it right phil spot on yeah it's the ones which uh just make you go why what were they thinking oh that doesn't make any sense that kind of thing but it's yeah i as you said you could go looking at the indie films and just there's lots of them i mean and sometimes yeah. that once you have watched the film you do realize you go, oh well that's why they've called it but right initially it's just yeah it's not not um, good I will say, I don't think it's on your list, so I think that's safe to say this. Power of the Dog almost made my list because I don't understand it at all. I know it has to do with the Bible verse, but I yeah, left it off because I don't I know. get the Bible. So I was kind of like, well, if I understood the Bible more, I probably would get the name of it, uh, the name of the movie more. I don't. So, you know, but I was like, it's probably a reason. I'll just leave it off because I knew I was going to rant and rave about it. We talked about the Oscars. So it didn't make my list, but I was, yeah. I, I do hate that because I don't think it makes any sense. But anyway, so that's oh, our that criteria. Top five worst movie titles. There we go. Well, I went first on the ending, so do you want to go first on this? I will, and I think my first choice is the one that people will be confused by the most. Um, and it's a well-loved movie, and it's a movie that I love, but I've always struggled with the name, and it's partially on me, because I struggle with things I can't make sense of. 
Like sometimes there are songs that I love and then I can't figure out what the lyrics mean. And it makes me like perturbed about the song a little bit, even though it's a song that I love. And so this is that kind of movie. So my number five is actually Goodwill Hunting. And here's why. Because it doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, so Will Hunting is the name of the character. I get that. that. And I didn't know that entirely until I saw the movie that his last name was Hunting. But then it's like, it's like they decided to add the, they were like, okay, we can't just call this movie Will Hunting. What can we do? We're like, well, goodwill is a thing. Like you can have goodwill towards somebody. So what if we called it goodwill? They're like, no, that doesn't quite work either. How about if we combine and make it goodwill hunting? I'm like, is it, is it goodwill? Like you're hunting goodwill for people. Is it goodwill hunting? Cause he's a good guy. Is it something else? I don't quite get, it doesn't just doesn't, it doesn't click in my brain. Like it, I I sort of see what they're doing with it. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. goodwill. That's a thing. Will hunting, goodwill hunting. But it's like, but it doesn't mean anything. And it confuses me. And I don't like it. And it, it always gives me a little tingle in the back of my brain whenever I hear that. Great movie. But then I'm like, but what does goodwill hunting mean? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. And it, it mm, it's not a movie that's deep in metaphor. It's a very literal movie. So why do I have to try and figure out your title? So that's my number five, goodwill hunting. It's always bothered me. Fair enough. I can, I can, I can see where you're coming from. Yep. Okay, my number five is, it's more like a, a particular genre of film titles, but it's, uh, okay. begin with Too Fast, Too Furious, where they replace the words with the number. So Too Fast, Too Furious also includes things like Lucky Number Slevin, where for the L in Slevin, they had an upside down seven, and also the film Seven, where we said they had the V, we had the seven in, in there. And also Final Destination 5, on some posters, it's five, the number five, a and L destination. It just right. Oh, it gets on my nerves when they do that and it replaces the, the words like that. That's how do I you, don't like that. How do you feel about Fant Four Stick? Fan four, yeah, that was the other one. That was the other one I meant to put on there. Yeah. Oh, put in the number put in the, the an four, number. Fantastic four. Okay, yeah. what about seven? Seven, yeah. I mentioned it. I don't like it having the seven in it. It always bothered yeah. me. It's seven seven. Yeah. Because it just you go, no, that's not. I right. see what you're trying to do. It's not clever. It just looks clunky. All right. I, I don't disagree with you on any of that, except for the Too Fast, Too Furious, because they're not inserting it into a word in a way that changes the meaning of the word. Two and T-W-O or T-O-O, like it still works for me. Like Too Fast, Too Furious. I'm okay with that. The rest of well, them I, I, totally I knew you would be because you're a huge Fast and Furious That's fan. not why. That's not why. I mean, yes, I'm a big fan, but I also, I love Lucky Number 11. That's a great movie. But I agree with, and I love Seven, which is a great movie, but I agree with you that when they put the number in place of the letters, it throws you off, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Fan Four Stick. But Too Fast, Too Furious, it doesn't throw you off because it's not, it's not interrupting the flow of the title. Well, I understand your point, but I don't like it. That's fine. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just saying that's but, And also, I just, it's uh, not, I also find it, well, not so much I don't like it, but I always find it a bit lazy when they do sequels where it's just the name of the original with just the number two, three. But at least that makes it easier to work out. It's certainly it. better than just calling it the same as the last movie. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide Squad. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So my number four then is uh, Motherless Brooklyn. Um, oh yeah, I watched this the other week. It's it's really good film. But, really? Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't dislike it. I didn't really like it. I think it, I well, I think it's just it was it's a good detective story drama. I've not seen one yeah. of them in a long time. Interesting. I um it's funny, I hate the name of this. It's based on a book, I recognize that, but I absolutely hate the name of it. Um it's it's a 2019 film, it's got Edward Norton and Bruce Willis and Willem Dafoe. 
on uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, but it's um, it's it's a terrible name because I, I, it's again one of those things where you just I get metaphor and I get not every movie needs to have a literal title. I understand that, right? But Motherless Brooklyn is like, well. What does that mean? There are no mothers left in Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn is now as devoid of mothers. The city itself doesn't have a mother. Like no duh, because it's a city. They don't have mothers. They're not born. Like it just, and, it, and then I watched the film thinking, Oh, it would explain it to me. And it didn't at all. And it's funny because I remember when I was working on this list, I, I remembered that when I, when the movie came out, I put a post on Facebook saying how I thought it was like the worst movie title of all time. And several people jumped down my throat being like, that's, it's such a great book. Like, I love the book. It's amazing. I can't wait to see the film. One person told me they bought, they brought, bought the book because of the title, which I find insane. Um, and I was saying, like, I guarantee you this movie is going to tank hard because it's the worst title ever and nobody knows what it means. And everyone was, like, yelling at me. And so I went to look up that comment earlier to see what I what, what I had said about it. And I said it was officially the worst movie title of all time. It's not because it's only number three on my, or number four on my list. But <laughs> um, I could not help but just eat after it's like two years years ago was the last comment i had a new comment saying just for the record i was right the movie tanked hard um so admittedly a little petty but hey i'm not above being petty sometimes. <laughs> so. yeah, but, but, but the, the the name is the motherless it is edward norton's character because he was an orphan i came from but brooklyn. he's not brooklyn then they should have called it motherless ed norton yeah but it's uh it was the character that uh because i think it's bruce willis's character gave them all nicknames but it's he's only in it for a small part right Maybe maybe that did make sense. I forget. Honestly, it's been a couple of years since I saw it. I don't. You've seen it more recently than me. I just still think it is. I'm yeah, fine I don't think it was titles. quite clear. It wasn't quite clear initially. I think it's uh, it's only a th there's a few times when he gets called Brooklyn. Yeah, that yeah. It just the other guys gets called Queens. I think or something. I'm I'm fine with metaphorical titles. I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind isn't exactly you know a, a literal movie title. I just it's just ugly sounding to me. Motherless Brooklyn does not in any way evoke any kind of emotional response that makes me want to watch that movie. I watched it anyway, but almost in spite of the title, but I guarantee you yeah, it would have made I, at least $5 million more at the box office. if it had a better name. Oh yeah, totally. Cause I mean, you mentioned the eternal, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. That's a, that's a film title, which makes you go, well, I have no idea what that means, but I want to see what it's about. Right. Motherless yeah. Brooklyn, you just go like, what? I don't, yeah. it just sounds, it just sounds ugly and sad. Like, yeah. I, it's yeah. not interesting. I'll give you that, yeah. But uh, my number four then is, uh, it's one from 2004, it's a David O. Russell film. It's, it's I, Heart, Huckabees, and that's mm -hmm. what it was. It has the heart symbol, you know, like the I love New York, that kind of thing. So it's I love Huckabees, or it's it's also on I and the word heart Huckabees. It's just the, the fact I've had to just describe it then like that. It's uh <laughs> I remember seeing that come out, and I just thought, no, I don't want to see that film based on the title alone, because it's just going, you don't have a, well, it's an emoji now, but back then it wasn't an emoji, was it? But it's the, you know, the heart symbol, and it doesn't make, oh, when you watch the film, on oh, the film itself was a waste, irritated me. But, I, uh, um, I have not seen that one, but I, I, I don't, do not disagree with you at all. Although I'm sensing a trend here, though, Phil, is you do not like words in your movie titles to be replaced with anything else. Yeah, just Numbers, use the word. Symbols, use the word. <laughs> <laughs> that's Where's totally there fair. for a reason totally fair totally yeah. fair um, that's my all right four. Uh, what's that that's my number four that's a good one all right my number three is a tie it's the only tie on my list but it's from the same franchise which is why i tied it and it is a tie between quantum of solace and octopussy 
from the James Bond um, films. They, they both all, almost made my list, but uh, yeah. didn't quite make it, yeah. Quantum of Solace is just honestly awful. It, it is one of the worst movie titles ever. It doesn't mean anything. I know they explain it as something like the distance that between two people's emotions when they're in love or something like that. It doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound cool. It sounds confusing. It sounds like a math problem, which is not what I want to think of when I'm watching a James Bond film. Um, that one's just garbage. I put Octopussy on there. Like it's so it's been around so long now that it's just sort of in the the colloquial movie terms, but like, and as a kid, it totally went over my head, but I look at it now as an adult and I just go, really? Like the balls on you to name a movie, a mainstream film, Octopussy. Like there is no denying what that's really supposed to kind of be like, you know, like it's the double entendre of all the James Bond women films of like, it's just such a, so like in your face and blatant, like, like Octopussy really like, it's a, it's a it's a like I've never really thought about it until I was doing this list that much because it's always just been one of the James Bond films. But like, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, but like really, like first of all, just you know, again, really just brash. But second of all, like it's not even a good movie name, really. Like what octopusy? Like it just doesn't like all the other James Bond movies, like Live and Let Die. You know, you only live twice, and you yeah, know, you, no time to die. Right. All these great, you know, from Russia with the love and then Octopussy. You're just like, what? Like, I, no, I'm sorry. So those are those are a tie for me. They're both the worst. And I'm a huge James Bond fan, but they're terrible movie titles. Yeah. Almost made my list. But yeah, totally agree with you on that. OK, cool. my number three. It's uh, we don't care. So swear on the show. Try not to. This one is an unintentional one. So it's a little bit. It is not too bad. So don't worry. No. But this was a film from 2017, which stars Robert Redford and Jane Fonda meant to netflix and they didn't change the name here in the uk to what it's called but it is a film called our souls at night and for those of you over in the states you might not get it but over here in the uk we call our bottom up our slang for bottom up posterior is arse over in the us you'd say ass so arse over here so our souls at night <laughs> title i remember seeing that come out going that can't be real <laughs> Why did they why did they call it that? Why did they not change the name for the UK audience? Surely somebody must have gone, uh, have you said it out loud? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's because it just I was going, no, you can't say and it's meant to be it's uh it's a widow and a widower who've lived next to each other for years, they make a connection and fall in love in our souls at night. And you just go, What? Now I'm never gonna hear it the yeah. other way, the way it's meant to be heard. Yeah. It's May, just, I was just say the only reason I can see they call it that is if the two people in the movie really are, you know, yeah. arseholes, and yeah. that's yeah. and then it takes place all at night. But since that doesn't seem to be the case, that is a <laughs> like, like definitely one of those ones. You know, they changed so many other movies for different parts of the world. Like you think that's one where somebody would have caught on. Yeah, I mean, I, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, it must be like a Trey Park. It's like a South Park thing. It's a name. Right. It's a spoof film on South Park. But yeah, so no. you have to. You have to be really enunciate when you say that one. Our souls at yes. night, in order yeah. to not be like British slang. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's uh, that's my number three. Just because I'm just, what were you thinking? <laughs> Always say that your name out loud and try and yeah. get it, you know people in the different uh, territories where it's going to be released. Get them to do it as well because you never know yeah, yeah. when that's, it comes to pronunciation and slang and things like that. But that's yeah. that's my number three. And apologies if that offended you. It was not my intent, but. Uh, I put just I think, to put I think that's relatively tame, but yeah, that is very funny. So good choice. All right. My number two, I I don't know if it made your list or not. I'm thinking maybe it didn't say I think you actually 
I can't remember if you like the film, but I think you would defend the title of this movie. I, I, I feel like we maybe talked about it once, like many years ago, maybe not even on the podcast, just in conversation. Um, and it, to be honest, this is one of those titles to me. I have a slight bit of a love hate relationship with it's my number two. So clearly I think it's a terrible movie title. I also okay. sort of admire just how over the top it is and how stupid it is. But I also go, no, what were you thinking? And it is from 2008 and it's the midnight meat train. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> starring Bradley Cooper. And I believe based on a Clive Barker or something, Clive Barker was involved somewhere, but the midnight meat train. So it's a horror movie about some kind of killer on the subway. I think it has some weirder stuff than that going on. Yeah. It does go weird. I do like the film, but I agree with you on the title because yeah. of Clive Barker, but I just, it's, it's always one of those ones where I first saw the trailer for it. The very first time I was watching it going, Oh, this is kind of creepy, kind of interesting. And then the, then the voiceover guy comes on and they show the title. He's like the midnight meat train. And I'm like, you're not serious with that. Right? Like, you're not really calling a film that you're putting out into theaters that you expect people to pay to see the midnight meat train, right? That's that's not a thing, but it was. I mean, the movie tanked hard, obviously, because they could have called it literally anything else. It's just like, A, you kind of want to giggle at it because it sounds silly. And B, like, that's one of those things where, and I'm not, I, I'm generalizing here because I know that there's a lot of women who like horror movies and I'm, so I'm not, but it's like, I just picture some dude trying to be like, Hey babe, let's go to the movies tonight. You want to, you up for a horror movie? It's like, well, I don't really love horror movies, but you know, I'll go for you. What, what, what are we seeing? Oh, uh, it looks really cool. It's about a killer on the subway. Oh, that sounds neat. What's it called? The midnight meat train. No, 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 I'm not yeah. going. You can go on your own. Right. Like that's just not a thing that. You're yeah, I, I agree. It's. I mean, I probably would have done better if it had a slightly different name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's uh, Bradley Cooper, 2008. Bradley Cooper's in in the lead. It's. Uh, mm -hmm. It's because the Midnight Meat Chain does not bring up an image of a Bradley Cooper film, even if it's a horror film. You expect right. it to be some real. I mean, it was gory anyway, but something which was mega gory, low budget. If it was yeah. something like that, and it's it's more like a, you know, it probably become a cult classic if it was. Well, it might even be a cult classic yeah, nowadays. I don't, but I don't even know. I don't, if get, I don't think it's that. even that, but. Uh, it's the name, yeah, it's a lousy name, but if the film itself had been low budget, really cheap, but with loads of gore and schlock, it probably yeah. might have worked a bit better. But yeah, I agree yeah. with that. The title is a mess. All I picture when I hear Midnight Meat Train is like a, a train car, like our subway, with like all of those giant meat hooks in it with like slabs of beef like you see in the movies, like a refrigerated train car. Like why would you have a train full of like swinging frozen beef? It doesn't make any sense. Like that's all I can picture when I hear it. It's just stupid. So that was my number two, the Midnight Meat Train. Okay, no, a, I can see why I picked that one. My number two, it's mainly, it's 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 well, okay, I'll go into it. it's 2011's 2011's Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which is the first film. Okay. But then the second film was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, and I always feel like they got the uh, the titles of the film the wrong way around. The first film should surely have been Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Right. And the second film should have been Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It yeah. Just, Every time I see it, I go, well, first of all, also, Rise of the Planets of the Apes is clunky because it's got of the in yes. expression. So there's that, but also the fact it's Rise and then the sequel's called Dawn. It, it brings, Dawn should be before the Rise, maybe. Right, right. The Dawn is the start of the sun coming up. That's the break yeah. of Dawn. And then the sunrise happens after the Dawn. Yeah. So absolutely. And then it's all at war, but I can give that one for the third one. But yeah, right. that's why it's just the fact it's in the wrong order, yeah. but also slightly because it's a bit clunky as well. It yeah. is Rise of the Planet of the Apes is is yeah. not a great yeah. title. Both both of them though, Dawn of the they have of the before Planet of the Apes. It's yeah, 
But yeah, Dawn and Rye should have been the other way around. Would have sat a lot better with me. I know it sounds petty, but that really irks me. Totally get it. Totally get it. Good choice. All right, my number one. I don't know. I guess there's a chance it could be your number one, but I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think you'll go in a different direction. My number one is a little remembered film from 2002. It stars Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, and it is called <laughs> Ballistic X versus Sever. Ballistic colon X yeah. versus Sever. Almost and, made my list again. Yeah. And, and X is spelled E-C-K-S, not even like an X. So Ballistic colon E-C-K-S versus Sever. It's it's nonsensical. Like, first of all, just call the movie ballistic. Or if you really want to go for it, call the movie X versus Sever. If you're going to call the, that, don't spell out the word X, although I know that's the character's name. Sever is a terrible name for a character in a movie title because it's a verb, so it makes it more confusing. Is he, like, fighting having limbs cut off, this X person? Like, it's... I mean, just complete and utter garbage. It doesn't roll off the tongue. No one's going to remember it. It is just like stupid. It's stupid. Just call the movie ballistic or good guy versus bad guy or whatever. But like ballistic colon X versus sever. It doesn't like nobody. I promise you, nobody wanted to go to the movie theater and be like, can I have one ticket for ballistic X versus sever, please? Because it sounds like you're speaking just nonsense. Like you're a toddler who just learned to speak and you're just spewing out. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. It's also a terrible movie. Um, bonus. Oh, it is. It I is. actually went to see it because it had a really good trailer for just being like a mindless action film. You went to the um, cinema to see it? I did. Oh, I saw it in, oh, in no. theaters. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who yeah, saw it yeah. in theaters. Um, so you're welcome to whatever studio recouped $8 of their budget because of me. I, I remember seeing the trailer as well, thinking the name was lousy, but then I was going, well, I like uh, Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu. Yep. Oh, that looks like it's got some interesting bits. I remember getting it on DVD. Yeah, I'm putting it in. I think there's a few of us watching it. Then within 10, 15 minutes, we both we all went, no, yeah, yeah, this is so clunky. Yeah, it really, it really isn't great. But I just, I like ever since I saw that movie, or even from the time I first saw the trailer, that that movie has never, I swear, like never left my consciousness because it's such a bad movie title that I always come back to thinking like, it'll randomly just wake up one morning and be like, why did they call that movie Ballistic X versus Sever? <laughs> like. What on earth were they thinking? Like, not, I can't imagine a single person in the marketing department was like, yes, guys, can't wait to put that on a t shirt. It's going to be on mugs. It's going to roll. I mean, people are going to remember the name Ballistic X versus Sever. But I, I just, I can't imagine anybody with any, any kind of a marketing experience or degree was like, yeah, good idea. Good idea, guys. Let's keep that name. Yeah. It's just, brutal. just it's really bad. Well, the sequel probably would have been Ballistic X versus Sever, and one of the S's would have been a two. rise of the ballistic x versus sever and then the sever would just be a seven and then have a little r next to it yeah that would be a brilliant yeah in another dimension that's a really successful franchise yes or it could be and i'm gonna i'm gonna veer to pg-13 territory the sequel could be ballistic 2 x versus sever pussy (laughs) <laughs> just just going with the theme of the quantum film. of x yeah. <laughs> all right anyway so that was okay. my number one worst movie no that's a, that's a good pick yeah my number one is from 2012 and it is john carter mm. of mars it should be of mars okay <laughs> <does> my head. <laughs> all right oh. so uh i gotta i gotta say i did i was saving my honorable mentions for after the list because I didn't want to put anything on yeah, there yeah. Be on yeah. your list. And the only reason that John Carter didn't take my, at least my, one of my top two spots, a 
I was having a hard time fitting in it, but B, I felt like I have ranted about that enough times that I didn't want to just repeat myself. But it yeah. is totally right here on my list as oh. an mention to be talked about after the list if it didn't come up. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. But- John Carter of Mars. I really like the books. Good sci-fi. Basically, is the reason why we have things like Star Wars and so many other things like that. Uh, the way it was marketed, there was all a big changing of people behind the scenes at Disney. So they pumped an awful lot of money into it. Uh, I really like the film, although the opening should have just started on Earth, John Carter on Earth, and just followed his story. So we discover these things with him. But it's John Carter on Mars. Was it John Carter? I forgot now. Of Mars, John Carter, Mars. Oh, anyway. John Carter, John Carter of Mars. And there's also like John Carter, Warlord of Mars and things like That's that. It, I think yeah. John so, Carter of Mars is like the... So John Carter of Mars, you know what you're going to get there. It's it's some guy who's going to be on Mars. And Mars is involved in some way. You know, it's going to be some kind of science fiction thing. It's a perfect uh, if name. You're, if, you're, if, if you're a fan of it, of uh, the character, then you're still going to... You might get it. If you just saw them making a, John Car- a film called John Carter, you'll go, oh, there's a sci-fi thing like that. It must be something else, though. Because they call it John Carter of Mars because it's a good, you know, you know what you're getting. But for some reason they went, no, we're going to call it John Carter because that'll get the audience interested. <laughs> it's so stupid. People who don't know this, what are you going to call it? John Carter. Oh, we've got another film coming out. What's it called? Oh, Terry Smith. Yeah, what? Right. Yeah. When I, I'm not yeah, saying when the I, name The Boring. I'm just saying in context of a, like a big sci-fi epic, John Carter doesn't sell it. And I just no. every time I saw that, it just always makes me... You just feel like, but where's the rest of it? And then it shows some of the posters. It's Mars and it's these these aliens on there, and it looks it looks weird, and it's it's ancient time. You know, it's just it's just this sword and sorcery sci fi thing on the posters, and then it's just got John Carter. If you know it, then yeah, you're gonna understand it. But anybody else going to the cinema is gonna go, oh, that's got to be a that can't be real. That kind yeah. of thing. It's just the whole. There's books all about. The mismanagement and the, the marketing of John Carter. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest things which blows my mind. I, I couldn't agree more. John Carter is about to take on the toughest case of his career, but his two kids at home want him to know how much they love him. Can yeah. he survive this case and still maintain the love of his family? Find out in Disney's John Carter. That's what that's, that's it. what it sounds like, yeah. you know. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, no, it's the worst marketing decision in the history of movies. Absolutely. Yeah, no way does that tell you it's like a Civil War soldier who goes to sleep in a cave and right. is teleported up to Mars where he then <laughs> has superpowers and takes on these green forearm characters. Just, yeah, all oh. you have to do is call it John Carter on Mars or John Carter, Warlord of Mars, which is also cool. But John yeah. Carter on Mars is all you have to call it, you know, or something like that. Or Warlord of Mars would have been a cool name for it. Yeah. Anything other than just calling it John Carter. It's not even like he has, like, okay, because you make a movie called Rocky Balboa, like, I mean, obviously, Rocky's a famous character, but like, at least that's a name that kind of stands out a little bit, yeah. right? Like, you yeah. you you hear that name and go, "Oh, that name has some character to it." Maybe it evokes something. But John Carter mm-hmm. is like the most generic name ever. I'm like, you know, like, is that a biopic about President Jimmy Carter's son? Did he have a son? I can't remember. I yeah. guess he did. Yeah. They made a movie about him. Like, it's the worst. And like I said, I had it to bring up. I didn't want to mention it beforehand as an honorable mention because I didn't make my list. I don't want to steal your thunder if you put it on your list. But I definitely have it as a we'll talk about it after the list. So I'm glad that you put it on there because it's yeah, totally it's deserving. Just, like you said, Rocky, it makes you, even if you're not done what it is, you know it's going to be something maybe tough, something like this. You right, know? right. It, it evokes something, whereas John Carter, there's no yeah. unless you know they read the books, it's not in a million year, years you'd even think it was sci-fi. No, no, definitely Or, or a big action epic. Yeah, and it, it's does my head, and I can see why some people don't like the film anyway. But 
Sure, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it has nothing to do like it doesn't change the fact that the the title it could have made twenty more million dollars at the box office, and they just gave it a better name. Like simple yeah. as that. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible name. Yeah, but that's uh that's my number one. All right, very good choice. Um, I will mention one other. I have a I have an honorable mention that I really wanted to include. But yeah, hey, I, I really yeah. wanted to leave it to, to five, obviously not go over. And two, I've never actually seen the movie. So even if I had, it wouldn't change. That's like one of the worst movie titles ever. But because I hadn't seen it, I was kind of like, well, well, actually, I haven't seen Midnight Meat Train either, I guess. But <laughs> this one didn't, I don't know, it didn't offend me quite as much. But it was um, Leonard Part 6, the, uh, oh, the yeah, old, old yeah. Cosby movie that there was not parts one through five. of. I find that offensive. Um, that's, yeah, that's a crazy one, though. Unless it's a movie that's a spoof of sequels, you know, like I get why they do that kind of thing sometimes, right? But this isn't that. Um, so to call it Leonard Part Six, which is just a terrible name anyway, even if it was Leonard Part One, like Leonard isn't a great name for a movie. But then to call it Part Six, which confused people, really, really stupid. So that's my honorable mention. No, it's good. You have my honorable mention is one which is we had a trailer drop uh, this week, but it might, it, this may change after I've seen the film, but it's mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peele's new film called Ugh. Nope. Yeah, I thought about that, and I thought about putting us on there also because it's just such a short, generic mm -hmm. word that if you just say, hey, have you seen us? People are like, yeah, you're standing right there. It doesn't sound like a movie title, but um, also I know I hate that movie, so it might have be a little bit biased. But yeah, nope, it didn't win me over either. Yeah, it's going to be people going, have you seen Jordan Peele's new film? Nope. Oh, you should go and see it. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I like that. But I, I mean, that might change when I've seen it. I mean, sure, yeah. But the uh, but that's that's why I didn't make it in there. But uh, yeah, that's a good. I enjoyed doing all this. It was good. Yeah, it's fun. Fun to just once in a while get you know just pick on movies with, with terrible names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, uh, nicely done. Nicely done. Okay, so that is going to bring us to our final section of the show, um, which is our ATE recommends, which is basically Phil and I, like you said earlier in the show, Phil, talking about things we recommend right now, stuff we're digging that's on. Right. Doesn't have to be movies, can be anything, can be related, can be really anything under the sun, just something that we are enjoying right now. Um, so, Phil, why don't you kick us off with your, do you have uh, yours ready? You want to go first? Yeah, I've got a couple, just a couple of board games. All right. I love the board game recommendations. Okay. First up is Parks, oh, mainly cool. because it's got beautiful artwork all the way through, lots of big cards and things. But it's basically you're playing uh, hikers who go along the trail. And you just got to get resources and things, pick them up, and so you can get to, you can then go to the big national parks in America. But it's mm. just it's you get it with the artwork, and when you're playing it with friends, guaranteed every time you turn over a new card for the parks, people go, "Oh, that looks gorgeous." Where's that? And there's a little bit of info on each one. But it's a beautiful cool. game. The packaging's amazing. Everything fits together. All little wooden components for the resource things, and it's it's a nice, simple game. Nice, easy going one, a relaxed one to play. Uh, not too taxing, but there is a bit of strategy involved. But it's a beautiful game, just worth having. Uh, looks great on the table. And the other one is another one with a good table presence. It's uh, it's Godzilla Tokyo Clash by Funko Games. Nice. Which is you're playing the uh, the kaiju, going around wow. Tokyo, stomping things to get energy. And you use cards, which when you have enough energy, you can then unleash the different abilities of the of the creatures. They, these are the miniatures. There's a couple of them. Wow. There's Godzilla himself. Nice. Those are nice. I think it's kind of focus on there's Mothra, which has a nice <laughs> little stand as well. Awesome. And there's also King King Ghidorah, Ghidorah, and the other one I always forget his name. The big beetle one with like the anyway. 
<laughs> Apologies for not remembering that one. I can't help you with that. Me Megalon, Megalon, that's the other one. But uh, that's another good one where you just you're just ripping things apart, throwing each other around. Good, good fun. So that's by Funko Games. Oh, and the other one is by Keymaster Games. Uh, that's Parks by Keymaster Games and Godzilla Tokyo Clash. Very nice. I I really dig the look of that Godzilla game, especially that's oh, very it's, it's cool. a good fun, yeah. yeah. And Funko, I'm a big Funko fan, as we all know. So. Yeah, good quality. Um, good quality. All right, very cool, very good. I like it. All right, well, I just have one tonight. Um, it is a book, but uh, it is movie related, I guess. Well, TV related, but but movie related. Um, and it is uh, Star Wars: The Mandalorian, uh, the art oh, of nice. the Mandalorian, uh, season two. So some of you may remember, I, I actually talked about the season one book uh, last year on the show because it was so gorgeous. You know, these art of the movie type books can be kind of hit or miss, but like this one is just utterly gorgeous it's just filled with sometimes you get an art book and it's more words than artwork um these are this book is just like i'm getting all the two-page spreads but like it's just gorgeous it's it's like photos and set designs and paintings and conceptual art and like just i mean there's the back cover it's just gorgeous the first one was amazing this one looks to be equally as amazing I, th I think it actually has even more pictures in it um there's like costumes you know, everything yeah. you can imagine. And and then a little bit of text to go with it, too. But it's really a lot of great imagery. Um, so it's the art of Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2. Very excited to always, into this. They're always good, those Star Wars art books. Even for the... Uh, I got sent the one for The Rise of Skywalker, which I think uh -huh. film is lousy. But the actual art book, the artwork's amazing. You see all these different designs before they reach the final thing as well. Yeah. So it, if you're a fan of ours and design, even if you don't like the films, they are worth checking out. Absolutely. I mean, Star Wars films, you know, I know have been hit or miss in recent years, but they always look great um, no matter what. And, and you know, I do enjoy the art books and this one um, has got some really cool stuff in it. So that's my recommendation this week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So there you go. A little bit of everything tonight. We talked about all kinds of stuff. I think we had a, a nice, well-rounded, balanced meal of a show, if you will. Um, I but. So. I yeah, also feel a bit like wash, washing a firefly now. <laughs> I like I like a good firefly reference now. And again. <laughs> uh, but that is going to start to wrap us up. So we will bring this episode to a close. Um, so as always, uh, we'd like to thank you all for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending.